Welcome to Square Radio. I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD! Hey, Bo. Good morning, bud. Man, good morning to you too, sir. How you doing? I'm good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing <laughs> doing great, man. Yeah, just um enjoying this beautiful Las Vegas morning. Tell you yeah. what, man. Like, so we right now, my we're we're recording in my room. Yeah. And it's situated as on, on the desert side. Although you really, let's be honest, it's all desert. It's side. all desert, right. Yeah. But the, but most hotels in Las Vegas, they have like a like a strip view like a, a view of the las vegas strip oh no tomorrow we're doing it from your room where and there's then, a strip and right. like everything else like like you definitely got the premium well, the, room here the, the the rooms are either the strip view or the mountain view that's got you see that a lot and so like bo's at bo's room actually is overlooking the the city and the mountains and it's actually i actually kind of prefer it to be honest. it's really beautiful yeah. and 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 what's happening right now outside the the window i've noticed over the past probably 30 minutes is a dust storm is that um, what that is because i noticed that like a haze that was covering the mountain and, and and so it's interesting, you know, that's just um, something unique or not new, unique to Las Vegas, but certainly that we're not familiar with where we come from. Yeah, just in this um, area. This, yeah, uh, it's just biome, the, the wind yeah. blows and it's like, well, it's it's a dust storm. And yeah. uh, and there it is. But Las Vegas is, you know, it, it, people think of it as gambling and casinos and shows and all this kind of stuff but it's kind of beautiful like the the surrounding area it's certainly desolate but yeah. it's um it, it really is beautiful yeah it's it's, it's gorgeous man well hey yeah. we're uh we're out here of course because we've got the las vegas pipe show that we'll be uh, attending this uh this afternoon it's interesting because it, it makes no good to promote it because as by this the time g- this episode goes as out this episode yeah <laughs> it, both the episodes that yeah then uh it, it'll have already uh come and gone that's so right that's i'm right. sure uh we'll have had a had a great time that's right but the, the great thing is our <laughs> listeners get to look forward to hearing that episode because that'll yeah. be coming out probably probably around thanksgiving or down something the road like that. yeah and so we're, mm-hmm. we're looking forward to putting that out for y'all uh man speaking of looking forward to putting things out we are so thankful that we can put out these episodes thanks to the amazing support of our club members and patrons. We yes. want to give a shout out. We've got a new joining at the Squire level. We've got Kevin Bauk. Kevin Bauk. 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 Ba- or Bauk. Like Bark. B-A-U-C. Yeah. I legitimately don't know how to say his last name. Okay. But it's Kevin Bauk. I'm I'm. I'm balking at the fact that you could not say his last name. That's a word. It's not. No, it is. Maybe it's not. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us at the Squire level and for your support. We also want to give a shout out. We got two new patrons as well. Ben Dean and DeGeorge Ivanov. If, oof, that one, that one, man, you, that's a, that's a freebie right there. No, I have no, no idea. Pa- pa- two patrons, Ben Dean and DeGeorge Ivanov. You know, yeah. so I try to butcher like our page, like our club member names as like a benefit for yeah. being a club member. And so typically I just kind of read the, the patron patrons names. get, get, yeah, yeah, DeGeorge, that's that that's a freebie, man, brother. We appreciate thank you, you so Mi- much, yeah, Mister Ivanov. Ivanov. Uh, we we certainly we very much appreciate absolutely, you. absolutely. Forgive our our continued ignorance on most things. Now I'm excited. <laughs> I am excited today. I am ex- so excited. You are excited. Today. I am. This you uh, should be excited. This is good. So so all right. A couple things I want to acknowledge as the listener got this episode as they saw the title and everything else because you know not even that long time listeners know but at least uh, people who've been tuning in. Uh, for a little bit over a year, no. Yeah. Uh, or even just this year, because it was such a thing at the beginning. We recently rebranded our Heroes of the Bowl series. Yep. Which I think we said we'd never say the name of again. And well, there I just did it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but we rebranded that to, to Half Bowl Histories. Half Bowl Histories, yep. Uh, and, and the idea was it was a merger of a couple of different series, one of which was our Pirates and Pipe Tobacco series. Yeah. Well, 
because we're doing something a little different this this week and next week. We're doing kind of a two-part series back-to-back of Pirates and Pipe Tobacco. I'm bringing back that name for this for this particular for these particular episodes. Well, I, I feel like I have to, man. Okay. Because for one thing, of course, you know, uh, right now we've got uh, this audio drama that I've been working to get off the ground. If you go to findeversail.com, that's sail like sailing a ship, right? Right. Findeversail.com. Uh, you'll find all the information you need. Uh, it's for our Kickstarter. It's the Pirate's Daughter is the name of it. And we are looking for your support to help get this show off the ground. It's a pirate themed adventure and, and really excited for it. And, you know, listeners who've been with us over the last past year, I've kind of, you know, tease this out because I've been working on this pretty much the entire year kind of getting to this point to be able to, to, to launch at least the Kickstarter. And most of those characters have some sort of inspiration from history because I love pirate history and pirate lore. Yeah. Not just pirate lore. I mean, I love like, you know, uh, Sea of Thieves and Pirates of the Caribbean and, and you know, the, the fantasy elements as, as, as well. And, and I love like the, the historical kind of documentation of these trials and acquisitions and everything else that occurred during the time. But somewhere between those two is where our kind of collective history and memory about the golden age of piracy exists. Yeah. Because so much of what we quote unquote know comes from not necessarily the most reliable sources. Sure. And yeah. so they, these are pirates we're talking about. Well, like. it, it's, but see, this is the beauty of it. It's not just that there were pirates who had their kind of version of history. The ones that were capturing them and trying them also had their version of history. Yeah, yeah, sure. There was very much a tension between these kind of two narratives that we end up with this kind of blending of the two. Hmm. And then we kind of sprinkle in a lot of fantastic elements as well. Interesting. Yeah. I say that to say that as part of what you've heard from me before, and this is true of like half bowl histories in general, it's a fun look back at history. You know, like this is not going to get you an A on your, you know, history exam, right? Like right. You, you'll get like maybe a C plus. Like that's, <laughs> that's what we're shooting for. Like really the, the middle, but the high middle, that's what we're, and, that, and not just on half bowl history, that's country squire radio. That's just country squire radio. <laughs> <laughs> in general, right. I man, I'm yep. I'm so excited because we got such great feedback on our Calico Jack episode and this one very much is like a sequel to that episode. Yeah. Because today we're going to be talking about Mary Reed. Mary Reed, one of two of the most famous, well, two of the most famous pirates and of course the most famous female pirates of the era both of which sailed with Calico Jack. Now, when we did our Calico Jack story, in fact, I would actually even recommend if you've not listened to that episode, listen to that one first. And then come back to this one. And then come back to this one. Yeah. Because there's 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 elements of that story that I'm not going to get to here that are relevant to her because they did sail together and all that kind of good stuff. And I even left that episode saying, you know what? We need to do an Ambani episode. But in preparation, yeah. well, but see, in preparation for that one, I started really kind of looking more into Mary Reed, who honestly gets overlooked a lot. Yeah. And she's a BA person of history. <laughs> and like, I was like, you know what? We kind of, we kind of touched on Anne We did an Anne story and like, you know, that's, that's great. We're going to talk about Mary Reed. Yeah. And I'm really excited. So as I mentioned, man, you got to be mindful of the sources as we're kind of thinking about, you know, these, these different accounts of who these people were. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, one of the books that I'm pulling from heavily for her background is Charles Johnson's A General History of the Pirates. This is essentially like the like the the sacred tome of pirate quote unquote history. I love that that's a real book. Like that oh, yeah. like that like it, that's an authoritative book. Like that that's that's fantastic. Well, an authoritative in in like again the quote unquote sense, in right? A, right, in in the way that you can be. Right. If that's even 
Well, because you have if like, you can even claim that. Yeah, and you, you have know? different historical records, like for example, right. trials. And a lot of this has to do with kind of there's a narrative right. that Charles Johnson this is the earliest kind of like like narrative that's out there in terms of taking these legendary figures from history and kind of telling their story and collecting their story. And you know, there is even a question of who was Charles Johnson. We don't really fully know right. who the self-proclaimed Captain Charles Johnson really even is. And yet he's the one that that kind of collected these stories through which so much has kind of sprouted out of and everything else. And some of it's been disproven and some of it's been highly questioned and everything else. <laughs> and so I just I want to I want to make that, you know, okay. that statement. Yeah, no, that's that's good. All right, let's talk about Mary Man. To talk about Mary Reed, who was born in England, uh, late 1600s, early 1700s, like her story really begins not with her, but with her mom. Hmm. Okay. So, all right. So Mary Reed's mom, she marries this very kind of young, well-off dude, like his family's well-off. Things are great. He's like, hey, I want to be a sailor. She's like, cool. They get pregnant. He's like, I still want to be a sailor. Deuces. Oh, he wow. leaves. She has a son. Her husband never returns. Okay. Mm -hmm. While he's gone, a lady has needs. She ends up becoming pregnant again. Oh, this is kind of a terrifying situation. Again, this is late 1600s, early 1700s. The family that she married into was kind of a well-to-do family. There are certain expectations about, you know, not getting pregnant while your husband's away (laughs) in this whole situation. Oh, that old thing. So she leaves. She flees uh, her family. They don't know about this. She's trying to kind of keep this a secret, right? Like as was also very much the time if somebody kind of got... Uh, found themselves pregnant and 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 didn't want in, in high society and yeah, did not sure. want people to know about it. Oh well, let's go hide out for six, you know, ten months. Yeah, or so I'm taking is, a nine right. month vacation to France. You know, like like right. this is what they would do. Right. So she she leaves. She goes and you know has the child. During the process, her son tragically dies. It was mm. only like not even a year old. Mm. And I mean, as as many parents, you know, that's it's one of the greatest fears is kind of that uh, those that early year where you're just trying to get everything together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's traveling with this infant. The mm. infant dies. Mm. She has this second child who is now a daughter. So with the situation she has found herself in, she's like, okay, I am now a widow because basically I don't know where my husband is. I've been abandoned. I've, I've lost, I'm dealing with the loss of my son. I've just had this new baby. That's so tragic. I don't yeah. know what to do. So, yeah, seriously. So she has no, and she has no financial prospects or anything like that. Again, late 1600s, early 1700s, widow with child, all this other stuff. So she decides what she's going to do is she is going to return home to her husband's family, her late husband's family, quote unquote late. Who knows where he went? Right. And say, basically, she's going to pass off her daughter as a son. Like, this is the same boy that I left. Like, this is the same child that I left with. Oh, wow. So thus, quote unquote, Mark Reed is born, right? Wow. Now, we're using the name Mark here. We don't actually know what Mary went by when she was kind of, you know, living through society, you know, as like disguised as a As man. a male. Yeah. Right. And so- Wow, that's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, you know, for the beginning, and she was worried. I mean, like, I've got to bring this baby, who, by the way, doesn't look like my ex-husband. Right. <laughs> right. To his family to sell them, not just on this fact that this little girl is actually, or this little boy, this little boy is actually a little girl, but also that it's the same child that I left with. But of course, we know how much babies change over that first year. You know, like they look completely different. Oh yeah, man, it's incredible. So they go back. Her mother-in-law sees the child, embraces the child, and embraces them, and begins sending them money and kind of caring for them. Wow. You know, and, and again, under the ruse, under the the, the assumption yeah. that this is the same child. So this is a ruse that has to be kept up because if not, they are going to financially like it's ruined. They got nothing. Right. They got literally nothing. So early on, this is 
Mary kind of spends her early years kind of, you know, just being a child. And as she gets older, her mother has to kind of bring her into this whole like, okay, here's the situation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Like, I mean, we laugh, but like, it's really sad. Like, (laughs) this is incredible. This is the this is the thing about Mary Reed, man. And like her story and her mother's story, but but her mother's story and then her story. Think like the unique life experience of being a woman in the late 1600s, early 1700s, Western civilization. Yeah, sure. And the challenges that come with that, right? And and we have this woman who, from the day she was born, was able to live life without those same challenges. She was able to experience life as a man in that context. You see what, you see what I'm saying? Uh, because of the ruse. Because of the ruse. So society treated her like she was a man, not like she was a woman. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, so, I do. So it's and even like the very fact that her mom found herself in this crazy situation speaks to kind of the injustices of the era. Right. Which still like we still are well, not doing yeah. the job we should, yeah, yeah. honestly, with single moms. So there's a point. There's a point that can be made there. Right. But rego- regardless. So we think about that specifically in this context. I just think it's fascinating. That it is very fascinating. So she spends the first 13 years of her life in London and experiencing that that kind of, you know, what life is like as, as a boy. And it's an interesting thing because she finds herself now a teenager and she's, she's pulling, pulled in different directions, right? Like on the one hand, her mom has this like high pressure of like, you've got to keep up the ruse because right. we've got nothing. If, if the ruse is gone right on, on the other hand, she's now a teenage young woman, mm-hmm. teenage young women, Start kind. to blossom and they, look different. And they blossom. They look different. They also start looking at the at the boys a little right. bit. Right. No, that's right. And so, like, so she's got this whole, you know, she's got this kind of tendency of like, well, I kind of want to, I want to be seen as a lady because I want these boys to kind of start looking at me as a lady. Well, yeah. But then there's the other aspect of I've also experienced my entire life with the kind of privileges that come with being a boy in the late 1600s, early 1700s London. Golly. And I have to trade that in order to kind of pursue my passions and pursue what I want. And so this is a, she's a fascinating character. Yeah, no kidding. It's amazing. So uh, she, she, as you can imagine, she's got a lot of built up tension from all this. So what does she do? She goes and joins the military. (laughs) (laughs) So she gets a little Mulan here, right? Like she goes and still disguised as a man, uh, joins the armed forces. She's very good. Uh, She actually gets promoted from foot soldier to cavalry. And during that time, things are going well. She becomes a very skilled uh, fighter and, you know, she's able to maintain the ruse until... Oh, yeah. She falls in love. You know how it goes, John David. <laughs> There's always that moment. And here he is, Fleming. Oh, yeah. Fleming comes waltzing in, and he's got, like, all the things that ladies like. And she's like, oh, can't keep up the ruse around Fleming. Yep. You know, and so yep. she finds a way for Fleming to kind of discover the fact that, you know, because they're, they're friends. They kind of get to know each other. And she's like, oh, you know, like she's kind of dealing with that whole tension that's there. Yeah. And so she kind of finds a way for Fleming to discover that she's not a man. Right. Uh, and in the process, as this kind of realization comes in, Fleming is now dealing with his own life confusion of like, well, this was my friend or buddy, buddy. And oh my gosh, she's a girl. And like, well, hang on now. She's a girl in my unit. Nobody else knows that she's here. Right. I could have myself a little sad mistress going on right now. Right. And right. like, nobody else gets that in the military. This is like, you know, early 1700s. It's like, really interesting. This yeah. is a, this is a, this is might, might be a sweet deal. So he goes over to Mary He's like, hey, Mary, so uh, thanks for letting me in on the fact that, you know, we got this whole, you know, you being a girl thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> cool that you're down with me. I'm down with you. What do you say that, like, we just kind of keep this thing on the DL 
and like, you know, have fun in our cot from time to time. Right. Oh, man. This is an interesting thing about Mary Reed. Her virtue is notorious. Mary Reed doesn't want to be nobody's mistress. Yeah. She yeah. wants a ring on it. Good for her. So she's like, no, 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 no. Fleming, 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 calm down, calm down. Like, yes, yes, I, yes, I see all of this. I want all of this. I haven't been able to be like, to be able to be the woman that I want to be. Right. Like my entire life. And I really want to be that woman with you, but I want to be your woman. I want you to be my man. I want right. to be married. And Fleming is like, ah, Okay. So they end up getting married. Now, as you can imagine, two soldiers getting married to each other becomes a bit of a newsworthy item. We're talking early 1700s. Early 1700s. It's amazing. Now, and again, this is, I mean, very Mulan here. Like the rest of the unit, like obviously at this point, you know, the secret is out. Uh, You know, Mary is in fact a woman. She's been a woman this entire time. It becomes kind of, rather than kind of being ostracized, her fellow unit, like the, the soldiers that she fought and bled with, embrace her and and embrace the kind of the novelty of the situation. Fleming and Mary retire from the military uh, and they start up a restaurant. And for the first time, <laughs> did they really They start up a restaurant? It was called the, the three horseshoe. The this, three all sa- this all sounds like something that like could have happened last week. And you know what crazy? I mean? Yeah. 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 yeah it, it's, it's so interesting. Yeah. And, and she's not even a pirate yet. You know what I mean? This is all. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to the piracy stuff. So she, <laughs> So so they start up they start up a a restaurant called the Three Horseshoe uh, Pub or Tavern or what what have you and it does quite well in their area because be, they are so embraced by their fellow you know former soldiers and everything like it's like the local hunt you know like how every single town has like that one like Waffle House or like dive bar where like all the cops go yeah you know yeah yeah and that's like where they hang out exactly so that's kind of what it is for all the soldiers like they all come here and they you know they just love hanging out with them and it's just again it's the novelty of the situation. And again, for Mary, this is the first time in her entire life she's been able to live as herself, as a woman in public. And, you know, on top of that, she also has like all of these like soldiers around her who have embraced like her ability and what she can yeah, do. Yeah, the and fact that else. she's incredible at, at, you know, being a, a soldier and, exactly. and is female. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so this is, this is a, this is a high point, obviously, yeah. in Mary's life. Yeah. Unfortunately, as with all these stories, the high, the high point doesn't last. Yeah. So her husband dies. And around that same time, the worst thing that could happen to a war profiteer or somebody who owns a restaurant that, you know, feeds soldiers, <laughs> not a war profiteer, but, you know, right. somebody who is literally like, like making money off of the war, peace, peace occurs. And yeah. so the soldiers are all kind of moved out. She no longer has the income that the restaurant was getting. She no longer has her husband. And so she's like, okay, well, I can go do what my mom did now, which was like, be this kind of this widow with no prospects, you know, that's kind of out here. And admittedly, you know, I'm a young lady. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still in my prime and everything. I can, I could probably make something work, but I've also been, you know, I've also experienced this life. What it's like when people think you're a dude, I'm going to go back to that. So she actually kind of reconverted. She re well. And again, so that I think, I think it's important to not, I think in the modern era, we can kind of look at Mary Reed's story through a a certain sociological context that's not correct for the history. No, I agree with that. And so like, like we don't want to, we don't want to impose that on Mary's. And I can understand the, like, I can understand why people would do that, but like, you have to really look at this from the standpoint of a woman dealing with the injustices of her time right? and having such a unique life experience and a different way about kind of cutting through that, that she should have never had to do. So because she had all these things going right, but then her her family was torn apart by her husband's death. 
and then the war ended. So war ended. the prospects of her any having any kind of advancement as a in, in the role that she was becoming used to had kind of gone away. Well, she could get remarried, but at the same time, like Who knows? she's she's a good soldier. Like she's got like it's actually she's got better deals for her rather than going to find another husband. And, and so, kind of rolling the dice or trying to make her own way. And so she actually, and, and, and so this kind of led her to going back down that, you know, resuming your, you know, male clothing and, um, you know, doubling down on military service and all that kind of exactly. stuff. Exactly. so interesting. So that's the thing you got to think about from her standpoint. What do I know how to do? Well, I can cook, you know, right. Or I can hire a cook. We don't know who made the food, but regardless, I know how to run a restaurant. Right. But you know what I'm really good at? I'm really good at fighting. Like I'm a, I'm a really dang good soldier. Right. So I'm going to travel up to Holland like you do. And I'm going to join the armed forces up in Holland. Wow. uh, Where some fighting is still going on. Okay. She gets up there. She again, resumes kind of the, the Mark persona. And unfortunately, as soon as she like joins the military, once again, peace, peace, peace keeps on (laughs) following her around and messing her up because like she's able to advance in the midst of conflict because nobody's paying attention to what's going on. But in peace, she's expected to be something else. Wow. And so what she does is then she's like, okay, well, all right, no war. That's cool. Uh, Let me get into the whole shipping industry. So then she goes, she joins uh, up with the ship. Uh, they are off at sea when, of course, they are taken upon by pirates. Now, this is a Holland ship, a, a, Dutch. a, a Hollandaise, a, a Holland, Hollandaise, Hollandaise, like the Eggs Benedict ship. <laughs> Dutch. It's a Dutch ship. And there goes all our Dutch listeners. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Dutch ship, and they're taken on by uh, English pirates. Now, Mary is the only English member of her crew on the yeah. So you know the pirates coming on like ah, we're gonna take all your stuff, and they're like we're Dutch, we don't have anything. I don't know. I don't know anything about the Dutch. <laughs> My wife is Dutch. Anyway, it's so forget. And so, <laughs> so they go on, they, uh, they, you know, they, they take this, like, Hey, you, the girlish looking boy over here, you, yeah, you, did I just hear an English accent? She's like, Oh, governor. Yes. <laughs> My name is Mark. And I don't know anything about these Dutch pilgrims or whatever they are. <laughs> Which is, I'm guessing how she sound. That's exactly how Mary Reed sounded. Yeah, exactly. So they, <laughs> they go. So she ends up, you know, uh, joining up with mm. these pirates, you know, because it's a, a better deal than staying with, you know, the the Dutch who are now like floating on fumes, essentially yeah. in the middle of the ocean. And she turns pirate. And during that time, she's fairly decent. There's not any like major uh, prizes though that are necessarily you know listed in terms of her early stage piracy. Uh, from that standpoint, because this was also around the time that Woods Rogers started offering up the pardon. Now, this is why I wanted people to listen. And we've to that. talked about that before. It's why I wanted people to listen to that yeah. Calico Jack episode first, because that's, yeah. that's such a crucial component to where she falls in the storyline here. She joins up much like much like she joined up like with the armed forces in Holland and then peace and like, all right, I'll be a pirate. And then all of a sudden here's the pardon. So like she's like right on. She's just trying to find some place to like get some kind of stability, stability, you know, yeah. So uh, the pardon comes out. The crew that she's with were like, okay, we're all going to take a pardon. She ends up taking the pardon with them. They all go and, uh, you know, they kind of turn in. They sign articles, that sort of thing. Everybody's chilling. Fine. She's kind of living now life as kind of, you know, off off the streets. But like, hey, she can handle herself. She's kind of, again, being she's kind tough. of seen as, as, yep. a, as a male. Interesting thing about our boy Woods Rogers. Now, Woods Rogers, again, had this crazy idea that he was going to offer just a free pardon to all these pirates. And they'll just take it and they'll stop being pirates. And it worked. And it was crazy, but it worked. Woods Rogers also had this other situation on his hands. You, you know our friends in, in Spain, right? Right. Well, back then, the English and the, the Spanish folk, they weren't... They weren't, they weren't pals. They weren't pals. 
And Woods Rogers was really needing some assistance in combating the Spanish at the time. He's like, huh, did he need some pirates? Well, he's got this entire like bloodthirsty group of people that he just like pardoned. Right. What if I like ask and see if they want to become privateers, which is like pirating, but you got to pay tax and see if they'll do that. You're basically a mercenary. Yeah, basically a mercenary. Yeah. And so like, you know, all of these different pirate crews that just took the part and they're like, this looks a lot like pirating. Is, <laughs> is, this, a, is this a trap? You sure we're not going to get in trouble? Woods? <laughs> is this a trap? Okay, we're going to sign it. So they do. And they did. And they did. And um, Mary was amongst these pirates that signed up and became privateers. Now, here's the thing about pirates who used to be pirates that become privateers where basically they're pirates, but now they have to pay tax. Right. They don't want to do that, John David. (laughs) So you now have a pirate ship, but they're under the command of a captain who is willing to pay tax, who's now surrounded by all of these people that are like, we used, and I mean, I'm using tax, it wasn't like an official tax, but I mean, essentially like, you know, you have to just live under the law. Exactly. You know, you give the king Caesar Caesars and then you do the rest. And And they're like, no, I don't want to do that. We used to not, we didn't have to do that before. Like what? Why don't we just keep it all, you know? <laughs> so they they mutiny, they overthrow the captain, and you know now they're she's found Legit herself pirates. Yep, right back on the on the on the pirating uh, <laughs> kick. During this time, she does crew up with uh, Jack Rackham and Anne Bonny. Now, as mentioned, you know it's it's maybe curious that she found the concept of an openly female pirate interesting. We don't know that this is the case, but you have to imagine that had to catch her attention. Sure, yeah, because like she loves. She enjoys being a, you know, seen as a woman. Like we've seen that before. Like she, she enjoys, uh, you know, she enjoyed that femininity. Yeah. So she, she now see, you know, she's hearing all these stories about like, you know, Anne Bonny and Jack Rackham. She joins up with their crew. Things are going well, but then Anne Bonny. So we talked about the virtue of Mary Reed. Anne Bonny was like the other side of that coin, right? <laughs> like if there's a spectrum where like, like Mary Reed is surrounded by all these dudes and like keeping them at bay constantly. Right. Aunt Bonnie's a little bit more like you than you than you, you know, like she, like Aunt Bonnie was kind of working her way. <laughs> you right. Know what I mean, I have more power to her, but just a little bit different. So Aunt Bonnie sees this young, I mean, fresh faced, smooth, silky skin, young man coming on board. Like, no. Never seen a man like this before. Wow. So Anne Bonnie, you know, she gets her red hair done and everything else. She makes sure Jack is looking the other way and everything. She's like, hey, Mark, why don't you come over here and uh, wow. show me what you got? And Mark was like, okay, uh, and l- let me do that real quick. Let me show you what I've got. And it was revealed, of course, that in fact, she was a woman. It was a wo- Wow. So this was like, you know, this was like a whole thing. Jack Rackham famously not happy about this situation. And so he gets led into the the truth. That in fact, Mark is actually married. Mary's a girl. So he doesn't have to be threatened, at least by Mark. Now, granted, Jack probably needed to be threatened by a lot of different situations that <laughs> had going on, but he didn't have to be threatened by Mark. Now, I want to pause here for a moment because this, this is used to be a movie. This, this is where fantasy and fiction tend to play in heavily. I mean, argue throughout this entire story that's sure. the case. But there are many, there are several reports that will tell you that Anne and Mary and Jack were a kind of in a, like a poly, what was the poly, what's the word when you have multiple people in like a relationship? Well, just, uh, well, anyway, polygamy, po- polygamy, like a polygamist. <laughs> that's the, right. we're in some kind of polygamous relationship. Yeah. Together. Yeah. That's, Probably not true. And I think that kind of comes from that, like, you know, heated fan fiction type situation. Sure. You know, yeah. where like people are trying to, like, oh, you know, uh, he's on a pirate. Right. He's got two ladies at the same time. No, right. no, listen, the, 
the virtue and the modesty of Mary Reed was literally legendary. And it comes into play with her experience on Rackham's crew. What they would do is they would go around, they would obviously take prizes, but they wouldn't just take prizes. And by prizes, I mean other ships. They would also recruit from those ships. Like, hey, you, you want to be a pirate? Good. We need some more people. 30 guys just died last week. We need 30. 30 right. <laughs> so, you know, like they're, they're constantly replenishing the ship. But occasionally, they wouldn't just ask. Sometimes they would have to take you. Yeah. Not because they needed the extra muscle, but because some individuals had certain skills that were very, very rare to come Yeah, that by. they really needed. Yeah, like yeah. the average sailor, you don't want to be pirate? Cool. We don't, you know, we don't want to have to worry about you one way or the other. Like, that's cool. We don't, we don't care. You, oh, you're a cook. Right. Are you a good cook? <laughs> you know, like, right. We need one of them. Uh, you, you, you play instruments. Right. Oh man, we could listen to music. Like you're our new radio. Yeah, we're taking you. Exactly. Yeah. You, you're a painter. Oh, that's kind of cool. Like we could look at something other than, than what, like literally the artists. That's really interesting. Yeah. Wow. The artisans, they would take on their ship from time to time, but they would generally get pressed into it as opposed to have an option. And so such was the case for a young unnamed man that came onto the ship. All we know of him from record is that he was someone in this category okay. of a, like a kind of a skilled artist, perhaps a musician yeah. who comes on board and somebody that Mary takes a liking to. She once again, you know, she's done this trick a couple of times. She kind of makes it slip that, Oh, Hey, you know, she, she allows it so that he discovers on his own that she is not that a she's, man, right. that she's a woman. Right. These two have a very, very strong relationship. Being a young, you know, warm-blooded man and something of a musician is trying to woo her at this time as well, trying to do so under the radar because while Jack and Anne know that she's a woman, the rest of the crew doesn't know that she's a woman. Wow. And, you know, according to, uh, you know, uh, her accounts, she continues to resist this man's advancements despite the fact that she does love him because she ain't married to him. Right. And Mary wants to get married. That's why they called her Mary. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mary wants you to marry Mary Reed. Point is that she she keeps on resisting his advancements until this guy gets in a bit of a kerfuffle with an individual from their crew. Okay. Okay. This this uh the situation is he's like he's like squabbing the deck and then all of a sudden I you over there squabbing the deck. I don't like the way you're squabbing the deck. He's like, oh, I'm I'm sorry, man. I was just squabbing it the way I only know how. He's like, oh, it's not the right way. I'm gonna kill you. At one o'clock, we're gonna we're gonna go off the side of the ship, and I'm gonna kill you dead. It's like, oh, what? It's like, no, I can't do that. It's like, nah, I see the pirate articles read it. If we got a bit, a bit of a fight, we go off the ship. One of us shoots each so, other. As Australian pirate. Well, yeah, anyway, I, I didn't say where he was from. It doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, he's, he's going to take him out, about and shoot him. So this is this is troubling to Mary because she likes this guy, and he's not a fighter. He's a lover, not a fighter. Right? Like, like, yeah. On contrary, you know who is a fighter. Mary Reed. Mary. Yeah. Right. Multiple, multiple, like, you know, uh, tours of duty, Mary Reed here. So Mary goes and finds this guy. She's like, hey, buddy. Is it what? What you want, Mark? And he's like, she's like, I don't like your face. Come outside the, like, the back. And he's like, fine. I've got a fight at one o'clock, but I'm going to fight you at noon just so I can kill both of you. And she's like, sweet. That's exactly what I wanted. They go off the side. Mary kills this dude. Right. To make sure that he's not alive to kill the guy that she likes. Yeah, sure. He is so solved. He's so overtaken by this passion that she would do this for him, and the two give in to their passion and become lovers at this point. Now we're coming to the end here. Mary, with the rest of Jack Rackham's crew, they were taken by the authorities. Uh, notably and historically, they were all chilling out, smoking pipes at the time. So Mary, pipe smoker, <laughs> getting that in there <laughs> Tan tangentially, right? <laughs> but they were check. Uh, she was, uh, they were all chilling out, smoking pipes and, uh, and drinking grog and punch. And they were taken upon famously many of Jack Rackham's crew kind of like, you know, 
gave in, but Mary and Anne were like still fighting, you know, at, at the, to the very tail end of the fight yeah. uh, before they were overtaken. And, uh, and so we're constantly calling for the men to fight like men as the women were doing the fighting. <laughs> They were taken in. She was pregnant at the time. Now, this kind of gets, it, it comes full circle, again, to the injustices that, that women were experiencing at the time, and not to say that they're not still experiencing that, but it was different from the time. Um, sure. While others were being tried for piracy, she was being tried for piracy and fornication. Why? Because unlike Anne, who was married to Jack, she was unmarried and pregnant with this young man's child. Wow, yeah. So she was being tried for fornication as an unmarried woman, right? Along with piracy, uh, you know, what? like theft and murder and, you know, what being pregnant. So Ugh. exactly. So here's the thing. So she explains the situation to the court and she's like, and she tells the story of how she killed for this young man. And in her mind, it was as holy a union yeah. as if like to say that you are willing to like, like lay down your life or yeah. lay even someone else's life down sure. to preserve the relationship. She saw that as, as holy a union had a priest been present yeah. to cast the words. Yeah. Right. So in her mind, the marriage did take place yeah. and this is what she argued in court, which she never should have had to, but that's what she did. Um, regardless though, being pregnant, she didn't, you know, it, it was a stay of execution they were saying that, in fact, she might have been able to make a make an argument for you know why because of her terms you know her years of service and that sort of thing. Yeah, she claimed you know hey I didn't want to be a pirate anyway, and they kept on pointing out like you're like one of only two people who resisted arrest here, so <laughs> you know I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> but she unfortunately did die in prison, seventeen twenty. Uh, before she was wow. able to get a, either a second trial or um, yeah. would it be put to death. So yeah, so she she ended up dying. So yeah, Mary Reed, man, she was a she was an interesting character, a fascinating individual. This with really a, needs to story. Her her story needs to be a movie. I mean, this is just such a the the twists and turns, and then also just incredible hardship and and ingenuity on her side. It's like man, you. You know, you if life hands you lemons, let's make lemonade, and she, she that's what she did. And it started with her mom, and it just really set her from on her this, birth, yeah, from her very birth, this very unique path. And you're exactly right, John David, because it's a fascinating story that that I feel like it gets overshadowed by Anne Bonnie because Anne Bonnie is, I mean, you know, she's more iconic. She's got the red hair. She's, she, you know, she is kind of that literal right. visual female, you know, figure that we think of. Right. Even in my story, the pirate's daughter, the pirate's daughter is very visually based off of Anne, Anne Bonnie. Anne Bonnie, right. And so like, like there, and because of the iconic nature that, that that's there. And so she gets overshadowed by Anne, even though she has a far more fascinating story. Yeah. But this is the other factor. And we, we referenced this as we were telling the story. I think it's difficult for Mary Reed's story to truly, you know, again, quote unquote, truly be told in the modern context because of the way people would kind of ascribe kind of modern social science yeah. onto her situation. Yeah, they, they, w- they would. And they will. And the problem is, of course, is that you do a disservice to the store, the, the true story of overcoming the injustices right. that she had to face as a woman and the unique perspective that she was granted and and struggled through honestly right. at birth of seeing a different life than the one that she was born into. And so anyway, I just <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I just to imagine like in in some like you 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 have the disadvantage of being a woman, but then you have the advantage of your family treating you like a boy. And society. And society and so the privilege that comes with that, but yet that also so it's a privilege, but it also it comes with a cost. Co- comes with this horrifying cost which is you know, not being true to 
herself and can't be just, yourself. You oh, want to get, you know, she wants to get married. She wants to have all this. It's just crazy, yeah. man. It's just wild to me. Yeah. What an interest. I had no idea about any of this. I'm so glad you, um, man, chose her to, uh, to focus on today. That's great. Yeah. That is really interesting. Well, hopefully everybody else enjoyed it. I love doing this. And, and, you know, this, this concept of, these pirates existing and challenging society from every single level is something I find fascinating. Yeah. And next week's episode, we're going to be talking about Blackbeard, who is yeah, yeah, you know yeah. the probably the most iconic pirate of all time. I would think so. Yeah. And uh, I think I think it's going to be a really fun one, man. I love sitting around telling stories. I, you know, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving, where I'll be surrounded by a lot of family as well, and and telling all kinds of stories. And you know who else is looking forward to Thanksgiving? Our friends at Missouri Meersham. Missouri Meersham. That's exactly right, man. Of course, they as we look forward towards Thanksgiving and then. Christmas time. Everyone's got the holidays on their mind. Folks are starting to, uh, you know, plan their Thanksgiving menus and family gatherings and things like that. And Missouri Mearsham wants to be a part of that with you. So check them out. What they've got going from November 23rd to November 29th are some pretty, pretty serious promotions on their website. And so go there during that time. Make sure to order your pipes and, and gear for the holidays. I mean, they would, they would love to send them to your front door right from Washington, Missouri. And big thanks to our good friends at Missouri Mission for sponsoring this show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Pipe question of the week. Pipe question of the week coming in from Ryan Miller. He says, I really enjoyed listening to Country Squire Radio, and I'm sitting here watching Bilbo smoke his pipe at the beginning of The Hobbit. <laughs> uh, it made me think of a question. Some of us like vintage tobaccos. What are the oldest original blends still being produced today? This is by family like Virginia Periques, yeah. Balkan, etc. Thanks to both of you for the wonderful virtual pipe club. And again, that is from Ryan Miller. Talking about uh, old old tobacco still in production. Yeah, and, and, and the problem with this question, Ryan, is that... You can't really say any historic blends are still being produced. You really can't say that any any are like that that any of the these blends are old and are being produced today. the 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 problem it's all this is hard to determine. I thought about this question a lot. Like the the blends that you are aware of that have old names or you know you can find in catalogs from the 1930s or stuff like mm. that. Those blends have changed so much over time that the ingredients have changed. Not not just the taste of the ingredients, but the actual like composition. Like they they've changed the recipes on a lot of these things. Some of the ingredients aren't available. You literally can't get them anymore, or they had such a hard time getting them. They've had to substitute other things. It, you know, it's just it, the impossible changes that have gone on. It's just crazy. And, and you think about all those old Dunhill blends. Well, those are, you know, Peterson blends now. And they, you know, they were made by, you had the original manufacturers, you had Murray's for a while, and they, you know, on now it's STG. You know, these have kind of evolved into Peterson tobaccos. We think about three nuns that mm -hmm. is out there. That's a whole new thing you know compared to what what 
you know, C.S. Lewis was smoking, you know, 70 years ago. The capstan, I mean, all the all these blends, they've been transformed through the process of being bought and sold from different manufacturers. Some of these blends have been defunct for years and then brought back as an homage. And so they're just, it's it's hard to say um, that, you know, honestly, one of the, one of the, you know, blends that is original in its own form might be like 1Q. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? Is, at the same time, isn't it kind of, and I mean, I get why that the components are important to try to, to make that connection, but isn't it kind of like your sports ball stuff? I mean, like you're <laughs> cheering for the, the Mississippi State Bulldogs, but like there's different players every rotated out every four years or so. So literally the team that you're cheering for now was not the team you were cheering for when you were a kid. Yeah. You're just cheering for the same color branding. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, to some extent, I see that like yeah. the three nuns and, and all these other pipe tobaccos, while they might not be the exact same components, I could see that it's yeah. still kind of like cheering for the same team. I don't know. That's, that's okay. Weird. Okay. I, I, I receive that. So, I mean, and then you've got, so, so if we take that, you know, we've got Capstan, we've got, you know, Prince Albert and Sir Walter Raleigh, we've got, you know, some of those older tobaccos, I mean, some of the Dunhill blends that date to, you know, Noah's Ark, you know, you can you think about some of those. But yeah, so I guess it just depends on how you interpret it. But anyway, yeah, great question. Excellent question. Hey, if you've got a pipe question for us, send it into the show. That is show at CountrySquireRadio.com. Your thoughts, your comments, listener feedback. Listener feedback this week coming in from Kane. Uh, he says, good evening, gents. I'm currently smoking Northwest Trek out of my Missouri Meerschaum up here in good old Peoria, Illinois. I must say that this blend is maybe my new favorite. I was hoping you could lead to some similar blends, so to add to my collection. Also, it inspired me to go Squire Select on this, but in reverse <laughs> order. <laughs> I created a cocktail that I think pairs well with this tobacco. It's kind of the Frankenstein mix between a black Manhattan and a Brooklyn with some coffee flavors added in. So, and I'm actually not familiar with a black Manhattan or a Brooklyn. Um, Anyway, he does two ounces, a few cold cut bourbon, uh, one ounce of Amaro Averna, uh, a quarter ounce of maraschino liqueur, a quarter ounce of Mr. Black coffee liqueur, one dash of orange bitters, And he says, I appreciate all uh, that you guys do uh, as you've been an integral part of my pipe smoking journey. Keep up the good work. And that's from Kane. So Kane actually smoked Northwest Trek and wanted to make a cocktail that would pair with it and and has done that. So two ounces. I'm not familiar with this bourbon. Two ounces of FEW, few cold cut bourbon, one ounce of Amaro Averna a quarter ounce of maraschino liqueur, a quarter ounce of black coffee liqueur, and then one dash of orange bitters. I'm assuming he probably did this in a shaker uh, or something. So, uh, But that's that's great, man. I, I love it. Thank you so much for doing that. And and, and you also mentioned uh, you like the Northwest Trek. I would uh, highly encourage you to try our, uh, our PS blend uh, as well at the Country Squire. I think you'll like that one too. That's right, Kane. Thank you so much for that. And hey, if you've got some listener feedback, you can send it to the show, show at countrysquireradio.com. You can also follow us on social media you can follow at Squire Radio, at John David Cole, at underscore Country Squire. But all that information and more can be found at CountrySquireRadio.com. Man, 
that was fun. Yeah, it was fun. What an interesting story, isn't and, it? Yeah, I mean, and 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 she was a pipe smoker. And she was a pipe smoker. <laughs> I know, at least for like a day. <laughs> well, no, theoretically longer than that. I mean, she's like hanging out with all these soldiers and everything else. I probably could have woven that more into the story, but there's just she has such there's a lot we don't know. There's but just she's such so a complex compelling. story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I just want to make sure to hit all these these high points throughout uh, her legacy. So, oh man, hopefully, folks enjoyed it. I sure did. I did as well. Oh, and hey, go go check out findeversale.com. Of course, findeversale.com. <laughs> Let's go. Over there. See you, brother. <laughs> <laughs>